Good morning. Feedback, that's a good start. Last week it rained out. That was fun. Thank God, was what I, what I was going to share that bad? My name is Bill Saccone. I'm really glad to be here with you this morning. I serve with the elder team here. I'm part of the Oceanport Community Group. Uh, OCP in the house. Met my wife through the community group. There's an advertisement, babe. I've been married for a few months now. We're newly married. That's fun. I have a stepdaughter, Julianne. She's the best. <laughs> she said, don't start, I think. <laughs> Getting ready for this morning, I said to my wife um, some things about what I wanted to share. And, and she said, just remember, there's like a bouncy castle out there. And I want to get out there quickly. And I was like, OK. Thanks. I love you, babe. And she said, don't change the subject. <laughs> but it's good. Marriage is good. Feedback is not. We've been in a sermon series called, I'm going to have to stand still, and that's not going to go well for any of us. <laughs> I like to move. We've been in a sermon series called, You Do Who You Are. It's this idea that who you are, what you see your identity as, your framework for life, out of that is going to come the, the way you think and how you act and how you behave in this world with one another. And that's really important. So we've been going through what does the Bible tell us and how does God view who we are in him? And so we've talked about a few different ways that he thinks of us. He, we've talked about being a child of God. We've talked about being a missionary, being sent out for God. We've talked about, and, and today we're going to talk about being a servant. To understand that, that to be a child of God and to be a, a servant of God, this is not in conflict at all. But like in the scripture that Jess read, that even Jesus, being the Son of God, came in the form of a servant, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. Serving has always been it's important. It's, it's, the story is there throughout the Bible. Can I move a little bit more? I'm sorry, everyone. Feedback is very distracting to me. Um, so we're called to be servants, but, but why? Why? Does anybody else struggle with that? I'm pretty stubborn. I like to know why I have to do something. Um, and, and you know, I'm not as stubborn as like, you know, some people I'm married to, but I'm, I'm stubborn. <laughs> and, and the how and the why and, and the who, it's important. And I think to understand this, we're going to have to start to understand how God views what service is, how, how God views you. Um, you have to know that if you're going to be a servant, um, you have to know who you're serving. If you don't, things are going to go terribly wrong. I knew a couple. They are no longer a couple. You'll know why in a second. Um, they were together for four years. And, you know, the, the man in the relationship, he sensed that things were not going well between him and his girlfriend. And so he said, let me, 
let me cook dinner. It's just gonna make a nice night for us and it's, it's gonna be great. And she says, okay. So he does and she comes over to his house that night and first thing she notices, the place is just a wreck, it's destroyed. And she's, she's already a little bit put off by that. She, she likes things neat and things are splattered and things are left out and it's terrible. And, and then she sits down for the meal that he's prepared and she looks at it and it's this, this beautiful steak dinner and it hits them both at the same time that she's a vegetarian. <laughs> and they broke up. <laughs> because who you're serving matters. You need to know that. You need to know who they are, what's important to them, how they want you to serve. So you have to know who God is and what he wants from you. And so to do that, we do. We start at the beginning. And what does the beginning tell us about who God is and, and what this is all about? And and I, when I say the beginning, I mean Genesis 1. And, it's, and, and this is how it goes, that in the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates the cosmos. He creates all that is. And then God speaks, and he begins to bring order to chaos. He starts to separate light from darkness and, and sky from sea and sea from land and, and, and bringing this order, and, and it's good. And then God... He, he makes a space for us. He makes a space for this life that he's creating. He makes a space where we can thrive and be in relationship with him and with one another. And everything is heading towards this life. Everything is good and it's life affirming. And then in this life, he says, now I've set you up. Now you go and create more life. Now you go and bring order to chaos, just like I've done. Now you go. And so we have in the beginning this picture of, of this life and what God is doing and the point and the goal is life, life in and with and for God and to his glory and it's good. And then we know what happens or maybe some of us do. Maybe you've heard the story. There's this serpent that comes in. Now, if you were in that time, you would know right away this, this picture of a serpent is this picture of chaos. And people in that time, when, the, when this story was written, they would have known that. And they would have seen this, this agent of chaos come and say, maybe God's withholding something from you. God's making it all about him, and maybe it could be all about you. And there, there's this striving that begins. There's this envy and there's, there's a fall. And, and what happens in the fall is people lose sight of the goal. It stops being about life in and with and for God and taking that life and spreading it and creating it and, and bringing order to chaos. But it starts becoming about me. And it becomes what I want. And it becomes what, what's good in my sight. And you can watch the breakdown of it all. We start to lose our purpose. We lose that relationship. We lose that life. Death and brokenness and sin take hold. And, and God feels far. And so where we went from life with and for and in God, now we have life for ourselves. And, and the story of, of these old writings in the Old Testament, they, they tell us this story, this this cycle of chaos and oppression. And you can see right away when sin enters, you see brothers killing their, you see men killing their brothers. You see 
You see people rising up and conquering other people. You see everyone doing what they want. And, and, and God, in all this chaos, even then, he calls up a people for himself. And he says, I, I want to save you from this. I want to, again, just like I did in the beginning, I want to I make a space for you. I want to create a space that's good. And, and you see them wrestle. Even, even the name he gives them, Israel, it, it means to wrestle with God. That's one translation. It's just there's always tension, always striving, always envy, always wondering, what about me? What about what I want? It gets so bad that, that Israel, this, this people that God has called for himself, they're, they're in Egypt and they're, they're freed from these oppressors, which is just another part of the cycle. And they're, they're wandering through the desert and they're complaining and they're complaining and and this really weird story where God sends fiery serpents as a plague. And these fiery serpents, they, they kill, they bite a lot of people and it kills them. And so God says, so Moses prays on behalf of the people and says, have you ever heard this story? You all look very concerned. <laughs> it's a weird story. Hang with me though, we're good, you're okay. God prays, Moses prays for the people and God says, all right, Moses, I want you to take the image of a serpent and I want you to lift it up. And anybody who gets bitten by one of these snakes, they can look upon this bronze statue of a serpent. And he does it. And that's how people live after they've been bitten. And it's weird, but we'll talk about it. And this cycle again, over and over of of Israel and, and God's people trying to be free and then getting oppressed and the next oppressor comes in and then they're, they're freed and the next oppressor comes in and it's just over and over. And that's where we kind of feel it's this chaos, it's this oppression and, and you see it in life and you see how the cycle goes of oppression and brokenness and sin and death. And then Jesus comes. And from the beginning, people didn't understand what Jesus was about. In John chapter 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God sends His, his, <coughs> his Word. I'm going to get a drink. And then my mic's going to fall off. <laughs> he sends His Word, and this Word means logos. And it's, it's not just word it's this idea this this philosophy at the time that this logos was this this force of bringing order into the universe this this force for good this logos this control this again bringing order to chaos jesus comes and 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 people again they're they see jesus raising up and they, and they see him growing and even when Jesus is born there's, there's a prophecy over him that, that he's coming so that we might serve without fear from our enemies and, and, and again people are, when they think of enemies at this time they think of the people that are oppressing them currently, they think of the Romans and that's where, where people get stuck they get stuck in like what's happening right now and so it keeps going this cycle Jesus' disciples would come to him and say things like, you know, we see that you're doing all these miracles and you have a lot of power, so we see that you're the, you're the chosen one and you're going to free us from our oppressor. You're going to free us from this, 
this cycle of oppression and, and they just keep thinking the Romans. They keep thinking that this worldly oppression. And some of them even come to him and say, hey, when it happens, when stuff goes down, can we serve on, can we be on your left hand and your right? When you're ruling here, when you're in charge, can, can we be right there with you? And he's like, oh, sometimes you guys. <laughs> I didn't come here to rule. You're missing it. I came here to serve. But sometimes we miss it too. But he came to serve and people keep, and, and you can even see when he has the conversation, they're like, uh-huh. Well, whatever you say, Jesus, but when it happens, when you rule, just think about it. We're just going to, we have a sketch. We planned it out. We're just going to leave it with you. There's a man named Nicodemus who comes to Jesus. Nicodemus is a, a very important, one of the important religious leaders of the time. He comes to him at night because he's curious about Jesus, but he can't be seen in the day talking to Jesus or asking questions. This would, this would lower his, his status within his community. And he says, Jesus, we see that you're doing amazing things, but what is this all about? What are you here for? And Jesus begins to tell him. And this is what he says. And I'm just going to read two verses. And just as, this is uh, John 3, verses uh, 14 through 16. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. When Jesus is asked the question, why are you here? What is this all about? He brings it back and he says, Nicodemus, don't you see what's happening? You're here wondering about the Romans and the oppression and, and what am I here to do and what am I going to start this revolution? But I'm telling you, I'm here for something greater. He says, you see how people are, right? You see the state of this world, the state of people, and where they are, the hurt, the chaos, the sin, the death, the brokenness. He said, I'm not here to conquer the Romans. I'm here to conquer the serpent. I'm here to, to crush the chaos that has, that has brought pain, that, that causes people to follow in their own paths and to do everything they think is right in their own eyes. I'm here to take away the thing that has created this barrier between God and man and between man and one another so that they would have life. He said, for God. It starts with God, and, and you can watch it in parallel with the creation story. For God so loves the world, the cosmos, the heavens and the earth that he created. He loves the world so much that he gave his only son, the one and only God, who comes and so that whoever would believe in him, whoever would put their trust in him, do you see it? Just like in the garden, there was this trust in this relationship that had life. 
so that they could be together in one mind, in one heart, working together and growing together, that they would have life. Life was the point. This eternal life is this deep. It's not just this longer life. It's this deep and abiding life. It's that life with God, in God, and for God. And this is a really long way of telling you that's what you're for. And that's what you've always been for, to serve. To be, to know the life of God so that you would go and take that life and bring more life to people and speak order to chaos. That's what servants do. That's what servants of God do. That's what you've been called to do from the beginning. And it's the most beautiful calling you could, you could ask for. And it's, it's only something that someone with the, the heart of a servant can do because you need to understand what it's gonna take. Because when you think about chaos and you think about all that's wrong, you think about people who are hurting, people who are sick, people who are dying, you realize what the world needs is not someone to come alongside and tell them all that they've done wrong. Don't act like you're not impressed. <laughs> that was a victory sip. You see people in chaos, throwing, their, throwing away their lives for just dumb things. You see people throw away their lives for drugs or alcohol. You see people throw away their marriages and relationships. You see people alone. You see people hurting. You see people starving. You see people feeling so rejected that they, without any hope, so that they decide the only Root is for them to go into schools and, and shoot people. That's chaos. That's brokenness. That's, that's what we've been given a mission to go and bring life to everybody and to speak order into chaos. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he, he, he didn't overthrow the Romans. He, he took away the thing that has plagued people from the beginning that sin and death and brokenness because he knew that this was not how we're meant to live this is not how we're meant to be we're not meant to be alone we're not meant for sickness and death we're meant for the life an eternal and abiding life and friends that's that's what you're called to so how do you do it now it would be so easy for me to transition and to start talking about all the things here at Park that we need done or list out all the things that you need to do in your life. And if you're like me, there's, there's just dozens of things that you feel guilty about that you're not doing. <laughs> you know all the people you haven't called. You know all the people that you've let down. You know that they think you forgot and you know that you haven't forgotten. You just plagued by it at night. And that's not the way to live either. And that's why this how we serve this God who's, who has called us to a, to a deep and abiding life in him and with him and for him, how we do it is so important. And the first way is we need to learn to listen to him. 
you need to learn to hear his voice because if you don't do this you're you're going to be plagued again you're going to be plagued with this guilt and this this constant running this hamster wheel of a life and it's it's terrible i had a dream the other night that i was in a i was in a foreign city not wearing pants and there was a flood coming I think I'm stressed out. <laughs> That's messed up. I told Brian Croak, he told me he's dropping all patience. He's just going to talk to me for weeks. Um, I know I, 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 I know what it is to want to work. I know I, my wife has invited me to start playing volleyball with her and on the beach and I go and I play and I'm new and I hadn't played since high school five years ago. Um, <laughs> um, and even if the ball doesn't come to me and people mess up the point, I still think to myself, I should have done something. I, I could have done better. So that's how, that's how I think. That's, that's what's going on up here. That's a problem. Um, and that's not the way we're supposed to live. So the thing that we have to do is we have to learn to listen. Because I know a lot of you, even if you don't have that kind of guilt complex, I know a lot of you, when you hear that there's any opportunity to serve, you're like, I'm going to go. I'm going to do it. Let's run. Let's get busy. Let's do it. Let's, let's knock this out. Someone's in need. I'm going to do it. You stay super busy. And maybe that's okay. And some of you don't move at all, and that's a different problem. And you should... You should start moving. Not funny? Is that awkward? Is that most of you? <laughs> when you learn to hear God, what he promises, to, he promises to show you the things that he has for you, the good work he has for you. You know, so there are different seasons in life there are different times where you're able to help in a, in a way that's maybe different than other times in life. As I mentioned, I'm, I'm newly married and I have a stepdaughter now and she's awesome and I want to spend time with them. It's, it's different for me right now. That's the season of my life. Julianne just said, I wish you wouldn't. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> but there are seasons. I don't know the season that you're in, but I know that you need to learn to listen. You need to learn how to hear your master's voice. So the best way for you to start to, to be a servant, to take on that identity and to understand what you are to do is to make time to, to be in scripture, learn his voice, pray, learn what he's saying. That's the call. Don't run out of here and just sign up for everything. I'm not here to guilt you to do more. You might have to do less in order to carve out time to listen to God, to be able to pick out his voice, because there are so many voices telling you all that you need to be and all that you need to do. It is very overwhelming. And that's not what he has for you, but he does have things for you to do. Years ago, I was in... I was in Manhattan on the Upper West Side. And I was 
with a group of people I didn't want to be with, and I didn't much feel like being there. But I was looking around, and I, I saw these two women across the street. And I can't explain to you how it works for me, but it's, it's not an audible voice. But God said, go give them $20. Now, one of my issues with this is I don't know at the time that I even believed that God worked like this. That I, but I had, it wasn't audible, but it was like a conviction, like I knew it, like I know that Andy Newberry is sitting here. I, I knew it. And then right away, I have some doubts. And I'm like, well, pretty convenient because I only have $20 in my pocket. <laughs> and also, they don't look like they need $20, so that makes me a weirdo just to go and hand somebody $20. I don't much like being a weirdo. So I, I watched them, and they, they were lovely, and they were just chatting in this beautiful summer night. But I, I couldn't shake it. So I crossed the street where they were, and I kind of kept my distance, and I kept watching. And then I noticed while they seemed very comfortable on this wooden bench in the summer night, there were bags packed underneath this bench that they were sitting on. And then I noticed one pulled out a pillow and put it there and started to lie down. And I thought, okay, maybe they do need money. But I was still, it felt awkward. So I went up to them and I said, do you need money? And she very calmly smiled at me and she said, yes. And still not being sure of what God had said, I said, and really not wanting to give all $20, let's be frank. I said, how much do you need? She said, we need $10 each. I said, I know. one of the best moments of my life. I, didn't, I don't think I changed their lives that day. But I learned something about who God is and what he wanted to do. He wanted me to listen. He wanted me to learn his voice. And a very gentle God prompts and he keeps prompting and he's patient. And he asked of me only what I had and not anything more. And when I gave it, he didn't give it to me, but he used me. And frankly, that's even better. Because he reminded me how much he loves people. And you know, we are not, I am not just a means to an end to God. He wants you're so important to him. He loves you so much that when he uses you, you get to bless other people. You get to see how powerful is he is. You get to see how in the details this God is. This God who can seem so far off and so big that it's hard to imagine that he's there with you. But that's what he promises. And then every once in a while, you catch a glimpse of it. And I think this is the life we're called to.
to, to bring life to other people, to bring order to that chaos, that chaos that is people in pain, that is people without homes, that, that is people without food, that is relationships that are struggling, that is all these ways that we can bring that life. And I believe that if we would be a group of people who would listen to God, who would learn to hear his voice, that would seek him together, that he has things so much bigger than just giving $20 to somebody for us. I think he's got big plans for his church. I think he's got big plans for this church. From the beginning, he said, you have a purpose. He planned you in mind to be in relationship with him and one another. And we need to listen to that. We need to hear that. We need to seek that. May you go from here. Scratch that. I'm going to start with. I'm going to end with one other thing. There was a young boy in in the book named Samuel in the Old Testament, and and Samuel was was hearing God's call and, and the old priest Samuel went to the old priest and, and the old priest understanding that God was, was calling Samuel even though Samuel didn't understand it said Samuel when you hear that voice when you hear that prompting here's what you say speak Lord your servant is listening that's how to answer this call that's, that's the prayer to pray right now. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Show me how to bring your deep and abiding life for me, and then help me bring it to others. And friends, it needs to be for you first. Have God's life. Understand his love and his grace and his mercy and his healing for you so that you can go and testify to others. And when you do that, it lets you go into situations where people are broken and say, God loves you. And he, you can say it because you've seen it for yourself. You can say, God remembers you. I'm going to pray for you because you know that God does remember them. And that's what we're called to do. May you go and seek God's voice for how you are to serve in this world. Seek him know him, and then bring it to others. Bring that deep and abiding life that each of us were meant to, to have and to share. And when he prompts you, and he will, say, speak, Lord. My servant is listening. I'm going to pray for you. God, you're so good. You're so faithful to your promise. You're so faithful to your calling that we might have life, an abundant life in you. And so we ask now, Lord, that we would take on that servant's heart. We ask now that you would give us the courage that when you do call, that when you do show us where to go, that we'd go boldly. 
and that we'd bring the good news of who you are into this world that needs it so much. We ask all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.